Good morning and welcome to church. We're so excited that you can gather with us from wherever you're watching from. If this is your first time joining with us, we'd love to start a conversation with you, answer any questions you might have, or give you more information. Simply text HELLO to 587-323-1199 and we'll reply right back. Thanks for joining us. We hope you have a great day. It's a difficult path, this life we've chosen. Never slowing down, never giving up, breaking barriers, pushing limits. Because pain is temporary, but victory is eternal. Passing what lies behind, pressing on, fighting for what lies ahead. A new path, a new life. Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us this morning, whether online or here in person. A special welcome to anyone who's uh, new to Calvary. Yes, thank you very much, those of you who are in person and online, the opportunity to be together today. We're into the series uh, Seeing in Technicolor, and it reminds me of when I was a child watching TV in black and white, and, and that was fantastic at the time, and then color came and it was like, wow, th that's something altogether different. And uh, today we hope that as we take a look at the book of Philippians and we look into this series, that we'll see with in increasing clarity what God is saying to us through his word, and that we'll take it to heart and apply it into our lives. We're going to be looking at the book of Philippians, and to, to summarize basically, the Apostle Paul was a leader in the early Christian church, and he wrote this book in about AD 62 while he was in prison in Rome. And he sends this letter thanking the Philippians for their generosity for him, and at the same time calling the Christians in the midst of the challenges they were facing to stand firm and to actually grow in their faith. In the midst of the things they were facing to remember Jesus Christ is their ultimate example, and he is the one they are to follow. The sermon today is entitled, Go for the Gold. And it's based on a sermon by Pastor uh, Skip Heitzig uh, with further in information put in from myself and others. Now, one of the Apostle Paul's most favorite metaphors is that of the race. And in this message, I'm going to share with you five essentials that will help us to be champions in this race that we're on, living life with purpose, becoming all that God wants us to be, going for the gold. And I think it's safe to say that probably one of the most famous Christian songs is Amazing Grace, and that was written by John Newton, who a former slave trader, whose life was radically transformed by God. Now, 19 years ago, CBS hijacked the term Amazing Grace and transitioned it to The Amazing Race. And perhaps you may have watched that TV show. Uh, the Amazing Race has people scatter all around the world, sending teams of people to people, and these people, about 10 groups of them, will travel around the world for a whole month, and they're collecting clues, and they're completing exercises, and they have to meet check, uh, checkpoints along the way. As it works out, each team will come to the checkpoint, but the last team to the com that comes to the checkpoint gets eliminated. 
So, so much for amazing grace and the amazing grace. Now, if we were to look at this passage this morning, I think that Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 12, could be called the amazing race. It's a metaphor for the rich athletic terms that the Apostle Paul uses. He's basically saying to each and every one of us, get in the tr on the track and get in the race. And I think it would be pretty reasonable to assume that the Apostle Paul was a sports fan because the Olympics were going on during his time. And I would suspect if the Apostle Paul were here today, he probably would be someone who would be watching the Grey Cup Finals and the Stanley Cup Finals and other sporting events. In his day and age, he was most likely a sports fan for sure. And throughout his teachings, we find that he uses metaphors, examples uh, in the sports field. For example, he employs the analogy of boxing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, I fight, that is, I box, not just beating the air, but rather, not shadow boxing, but fighting as in a ring, fighting the good fight. And at the end of this life, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, I have fought the good fight. And he also speaks of wrestling in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood enemies, but against spiritual forces of darkness. Yes, but by far, the Apostle Paul's most favorite analogy is the race, the foot race. In Galatians chapter 5, he says, You were running the good race, but who cut in on you? Who hindered you? And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to gain the prize. Now that shows the amazing race, the prize is a million dollars. And if a team happens to make it through all the checkpoints, right to the very end, they get that check. The Apostle Paul, though, speaks about a much more important prize that he has in mind. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. All athletes practice self-control. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we, we do it for an eternal prize. Did you know, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, a Christian, one day you will be rewarded for the race that you have run? He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we all, each and every one of us, will one day stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and we will be judged, and we will receive what we deserve for the good or the evil we have done. So as you think about your life race today, are you running on purpose? Are you aiming to become like Jesus Christ? Are you going for the gold to be your very best? Think of today as perhaps an aid station. Now, aid stations in races are those places where the athletes can go to get water, where they can get power bars, where they can get medical attention. So see today as your aid station on your long marathon of the Christian life. Because if you've ever fallen, if you've ever struggled, we don't want to see you eliminated, but we want to see you invigorated to run the race. Now, back in 1992, there was a woman by the name of Beth Ann DeCientis. She wanted to qualify for the Olympics in the marathon, and the marathon is just over 42 kilometers, quite a long distance. And the female qualifying time for the Olympics in the marathon is two hours and 45 minutes. And you have to either have that time or below it. 
Now she ran the qualifying race and she started out very well, very strong. But then she started to have troubles about 37 kilometers. And as she rounded the last corner into the straightway, she only had two minutes left to qualify. She had less than 200 meters to the finish line. But then Beth Ann collapses. She's dazed, she's dizzy for about 20 seconds. She gets back up and she continues to run. But five meters short of the finish line, 10 seconds left to go, she falls again. But this time, on her hands and knees, she crawls to the finish line. Her time, two hours, 44 minutes, 57 seconds. She qualified by three seconds on her hands and knees. Maybe you feel strong in this race. Maybe others of you, you don't feel so strong. You've fallen a few times. You stumbled. Well, you may have fallen, but you can get up. And you need to keep going because we're rooting for you. Because none of us are perfect yet. None of us. What I want to show you is five essentials, five things you will need to, you need to do to run the race well, to get the prize, to go for the gold. And first of all, a winner needs dissatisfaction. Dissatisfaction. In verses 12 and 13, the Apostle Paul says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. You know, I'm glad that the Apostle Paul wrote that. I'm relieved to hear that. It's a breath of fresh air. Here's an admission by a man who was in relationship with Jesus Christ for 30 years. And he's saying, I haven't arrived. I haven't attained. I'm not perfect. I'm not there yet. I believe that the Apostle Paul was one of the greatest men in history. He was brilliant. He was spiritual. He was highly motivated. He was passionate. And he planted churches all over the Roman world. Now the Apostle Paul is saying, I haven't already achieved perfection. Now people may have thought that he did, but he dispels that. And he says so. He says, I don't mean to say I have already achieved, I've achieved things or have already reached perfection. Now that tells me that none of us, none of us reach perfection in this life. That is complete moral maturity this side of a heaven. Yet while none of us reaches perfection this side of heaven, the goal is to become more like God as demonstrated through Jesus. And he said these words in Matthew 5:48, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I don't know about you, but I find these words very encouraging, very comforting. That God would want me, he would want us, you and I, to become like him. To experience, to demonstrate those characteristics that make God who he is. One of great compassion, grace, and a host of beautiful other characteristics. It reminds me of a child, a boy who wants to be like his dad, or a girl who wants to be like her mom. They long to be like the one that they love. And so it should be that we want to be like our loving Heavenly Father. And similarly, parents want their children to succeed, to excel. And it's not uncommon for parents of their grown children to practice the same profession, the same vocation. And when adult children are asked why they became whatever they chose, 
they often point to their mother or their father. And they say it was their example that caused them to make that choice to become like their parent. So too, God is calling us to be like him. It has been said, unless you try to do something beyond what you have already mastered, you will never grow. Now, this is essential in the race. If a runner is running down the track absolutely satisfied with the performance up to that point, there will be a tendency to start slowing down, maybe even look around if they're passing people. And so it is in the race as a follower of Jesus Christ. If I'm looking at other Christians, then you're going to slow down. And here's why. We all have a tendency, don't we? When we compare ourselves with other people, we find who? The people who aren't doing as well as we are. Those are the ones we compare ourselves to, thinking ourselves better. But who should we compare ourselves to? I think you know the answer. So we need a healthy sense that we haven't arrived, we haven't yet reached perfection, we're not there yet. And imagine if the Apostle Paul were to compare his spiritual journey, his race of faith with everyone else. No one could match him. I dare not say any one of us here, myself included. Because he had received visions of Jesus Christ. He saw miracles of healing. He had an experience of heaven. He's seen and experienced so much. So for him to say, I haven't arrived, shows us a divine dissatisfaction because it is essential for our spiritual progress in our relationship with God. So that's first. We need a holy dissatisfaction for the spiritual race. That is going for the gold. A second essential is a, ween a winner, not a wiener, a winner, <laughs> needs concentration. In verse 13, it says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach to the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. The phrase, one thing, is a very important biblical phrase. King David in Psalm 27 verse 4 said, One thing I've desired of the Lord, and that will I seek. Here's the point. Winners become winners because they concentrate on one thing, one thing. They narrow their focus to one thing. And those who are professional athlete, athletes typically are proficient only in one thing. And rarely do we find athletes who are proficient in multiple sports. Now, for example, if I were to mention the name of Michael Jordan, what sport do you think of? Basketball. Yes, he was excellent at that. But you know, do you know that he retired from basketball and had his hand at baseball? You may not have heard that because Michael Jordan wasn't so good at baseball. He discovered, like so many others, that it's important to concentrate on one thing and to do that well. And one of the greatest problems I believe we have in life is that we tend to spread ourselves too thin. We fail to be effective at the one thing. It has been said that your capacity to say no will determine your capacity to say yes to the greater things that God wants to do in and through you. So picture this, a class in a business college. The teacher wants to give them an example of time management. And she's going to have a quiz and she begins by having this big glass jar put before them. 
And so she takes fist-sized rocks, puts them one after the other into the jar, and then she says to her students, is the jar full? And they say, yes. She says, are you sure? Then she takes a bucket of stones and pours them into that jar, filling in a lot of the spaces. Then she asks the students again, is it now full? Well, they've caught on by now, and they say, no, not yet. She says, you're right. And then she decides to pour in sand over the rocks and over the stones. Is it full? In unison, they say, of course not. Then she takes a, gla a glass pitcher and fills this container full, right to the brim. And so then she says, is it now full? Now one, and, and then she goes on to say, so what is the point of this analogy? Now one student says, well, it's saying to us that no matter how full your schedule is, you can always put in more. <laughs> well, she says, that's not the point of the exercise. The point is, if you don't put the rocks in first, you'll never get them in at all. She was teaching them time management and the importance and priority of putting first things first. And so for the Apostle Paul, Christ Jesus and his will for his life, those were his rocks. That came first. He said, I'm going to put those things first, and everything else will take a back seat. So the question is, what things do you need to say no to so that you can say yes for the things God has for you? Because the main thing is the main thing to do the main thing. So a winner needs dissatisfaction. A winner needs concentration. That is living on purpose. That is going for the gold. The third essential for a winner to win is they need direction. Back in verse 13, it says, No, dear brothers, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. A book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction has become a Christian classic. The title says it all, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And this, I believe, is an appropriate description of our faith journey as followers of Jesus Christ. However, I might add saying that we need not just a long obedience in the same direction, we need a long obedience in the right direction because we can go a long distance in the wrong direction. In 2013, an older Belgian woman by the name of Sabine Moreau intended to pick up a friend 150 kilometers away in Brussels, Belgium. She entered the coordinates on the GPS, then she drove, and she drove, and she drove. In fact, she drove all the way to Croatia, 1,600 kilometers away. She crossed five international borders, stopping for gas, stopping for rest along the way. And when she got to Zagreb, the capital, she thought, I think I probably should turn around. She was going a long time in the wrong direction. She needed to make sure she was traveling on the right road and the right direction. So the Apostle Paul, looking forward, he was looking forward to what is called the upward call or the heavenly call. And to do that effectively, notice what it says, forgetting the past. Run effectively into the future. You need to let go of your past. You need to let go of it. Now, can you imagine a runner running in one direction and, the, but, and looking back at the same time? What do you think would happen? He would fall. We can't run the, run of faith. We can't run the race of faith 
looking at our past. And so when it says forgetting those things, now the Bible doesn't mean to lose your memory. It doesn't mean to fail to recall. It actually means don't let your past influence your present. What it is saying is forget about it. What it means is don't let your past hold you back in your present and future. And here's an example, because God says in the Bible in a number of places, there are sins I will remember no more. And I say amen to that. But it does not mean that God has a bad memory or that he has a memory lapse. It simply means that God chooses not to be influenced by our past. He deals with us in a present, in a way, while taking an account of the past, takes a whole different view of it than we might. So your past is your past. Perhaps you've blown it. You have fallen. You've made mistakes. I have too. Okay? Leave it. Learn from it. Go forward, forgetting those things that are behind. And that's where our church has an excellent program called Freedom Session, which has been so helpful for many. Because too often, the things of our past, the things that have been done to us, the things that have been done by us, those things that we cannot seem to put behind us, they continue to dog us day in and day out. Now, Freedom Session is a 30-week intensive healing discipleship journey which uncovers the roots of our pain and invites Jesus to heal our hearts. And isn't it great that Jesus is able to do that healing work? And it's for everyone. It deals with real issues, strained relationships, pornography, sexual woundedness, abuse, depression, anger, fear, addictions, and so much more. If I want to be miserable, if you want to be miserable, live your life always looking back over your shoulder. But if you want to live well, deal with your past, put it behind you, and then look forward. So we need dissatisfaction, concentration, we need direction, and fourth essential is we need dedication. In verse 12, the Apostle Paul said, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. The idea is that press means to exert oneself, to work up a sweat. When we think of the Olympics and you see the camera zooming in on a runner, that person, that man, that woman, you just see the sweat pouring off their face and you can see that it's a grueling look. You can see that they're pressing hard, they're working hard, they're exerting themselves with every fiber of their being. They're exerting their strength. And the Apostle Paul is saying, I press. What he is saying is that the energy that I once put to not follow Jesus Christ, I now put in following Jesus Christ. Now, no one, as we know, becomes a winning athlete by watching YouTube videos or lectures by their coach. At some point, they've got to get on the track. They've got to train. They have to exert themselves to press forward if they want to be a winning athlete. I wonder if our lives would be any different if we put as much dedication into our spiritual life as we put into whatever our interests may be, whether it be sports or traveling or cooking or social media or shopping or family or whatever. I wonder if it would be any different at all or would it be the same? The Apostle Paul is saying, all the energy I once put into that, 
I now put into this, I press on. And what does, what does press on, what is he pressing on for? He says, I'm pressing on for the prize. In verse 14, it says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Now, in the amazing race, those who win receive a million-dollar prize. And in the Olympics, do you know what they received as a winning prize? It was just a little bit of ivy made into a crown, put on the person's head. And then the people would say, wow, amazing. That was the prize. As followers of Jesus Christ, what prize do we get? It's a twofold prize. First, the first prize is knowing and experiencing life purpose. In verse 12, the Apostle Paul said, but I press on to possess that perfection which Christ Jesus first possessed me. The Apostle Paul says, I'm pursuing Christ because he is the reason that I am running this race. And I fully want to realize my purpose in life, which is becoming like him, my Savior, Jesus Christ. That for me to be perfected, for me to become fully mature in my faith, I want to become like Jesus because of what he is doing in me and through me. There is the real prize, knowing why we exist on earth and fully experiencing it while we are here. Reminds me of the little booklet, What on Earth Am I Here For? by Rick Warren. If any of you would want a copy, we have them available. It reminds us that we are here on earth for a beautiful purpose that God wants to do in us and through us. The second prize is the prize of eternal joy. In verse 14, he said, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize. One day, each one of us is going to cross the ultimate finish line when we step into eternity. And you're going to be met there by Jesus, who will receive you into his eternal home. That's a great prize. Knowing Jesus here on earth, becoming like him, God himself, and then experiencing in eternity this wonderful joy of his presence forever. So to be a winner, we need the satisfaction, concentration, direction, dedication, and finally, to win this race, a winner needs collaboration. In verse 15 and 16, we are told that let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you, but we must hold on to the progress we have already made. So the Apostle Paul writing to the Philippians was including this, including them in this running. Now we don't know exactly what the Apostle Paul was referring to when he said God will make it plain to you, people who think otherwise, but God will reveal this to them. He could perhaps have been talking to the Judaizers. These were perfectionists who said, well, actually, you can become perfect, spiritually mature by your own efforts, by your own will, by your own strength. I don't know about you, but I believe that's impossible. We simply don't have what it takes by ourselves to do what God alone can do in us. On the other hand, some commentators think the Christians had grown apathetic, that some had gotten off the race. They were now in the bleachers. They were saying, look, I've fallen enough times. I'm just going to let go and let God. 
I'm not going to ex exert any more energy. I'm just going to carry on with life. Maybe I'll attend church once in a while and, well, I hope I go to heaven. So the Apostle Paul says, if you think otherwise, trust God that he is able to reveal this to you. But the point I want to make in this portion of Scripture is the words, you and we. Here's the truth. Runners always do better with other runners. You can run alone and you can train alone, but you will always do better. You will always do better. Your game will be, be lifted up, so to speak, when you have other runners beside you inspire you, able to encourage with you, train you, hold you accountable, be able to say, come on, pick it up, you can do better. We always benefit when we have others alongside us. And that's why it's so important to participate in our Sunday services, whether it be online and in person. And I thank each one of you for joining us today. But I would add that if you haven't yet joined us in person for a while, join us in person because everyone is masked up, we have social distancing and we're practicing hygiene. And when we're not on the platform, the worship team and myself, we're masked up as well. Now I've heard that some people are not even sure if they ever want to come back to church, that they want to watch church at home. Unfortunately, staying isolated away from others over an ex extended period of time is both spiritually and emotionally unhealthy. We need to connect with each other. We can't. We need to connect with each other because there are things we cannot do when we choose to distance ourselves from each other. When we choose to disconnect, to me it's almost a bit like long-term spiritual suicide. Over the years as a pastor, I've had people say to me, I can do it on my own. I don't know if I really need the church. Um, I'll be okay. And then what I've seen is a slow spiritual decline, a faith ebbing away because like the song Frank Sinatra said, I did it my way. But they discover that their way is not the way that Scripture says. Because the Bible says, do not forsake the gathering of the believers. And so I want to encourage those, especially those of you online, to not miss the opportunity to come and join us on a Sunday. And beyond that also, to be actively involved in the life of the church, whether it be in a small group, a ministry in our church, or whatever it might be. Our faith is brought to life. Our race, is, we're encouraged in the race when we choose to be actively involved with each other, not choosing to separate. There is a time for isolation, but there is opportunity now to reconnect with each other, support, and to encourage one another. Victory comes by endurance. Hebrews chapter 12 says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Our Christian life is not a 100 meter dash. It is a marathon. And all if you've got out of this sermon, and it's okay, is just keep going. Just keep in the race. But perhaps at this moment, you know you need a race worth running. You need to go for the gold, but you yet haven't found the race that is worth running. And that's what we offer today. A race worth running, a life worth living now and for the rest of your life. And if you would want to know more how you can get in the race, this race, race worth running, that will impact your present and your future forever, we would be happy to explain how you can participate in that race. 
And if you wish to do that, I would encourage you to contact any of our pastors who would be happy to talk with you about this important, life-changing, forever decision. And you can do that if you wish by texting 587-323-1199. Or you can call the church office at 780-462-8444 or email info at Calvary Community Church. Thank you for joining us today. Let us take the opportunity to pray. And may I encourage you on this race to keep on keeping on. Let us pray. Let us talk to God. We want to say thank you, O Lord, for the book of Philippians, for the Apostle Paul, who was able to say at the end of his life, I have run the race. I have completed that to which I have been called. And I pray for each one of us. I pray for myself. I would want to pray that you would enable us, that you would encourage us, that you are able, O Lord, to help us on this race of life, that we would finish well, that we would hear the words at the end of our lives as we step across the finish line, well done, good and faithful service, servant. And I pray, O Lord, for folks who are not yet on the race, who are still wondering what is going on, we would want to pray that they would enter the race and discover that it is a race worth living, a life worth living, a gold that is worth achieving. And so we want to say thank you that we could pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us online. Thank you for joining in-house. Uh, I'll be at the back afterwards, and there will be others up here at the front for prayer or anything else. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any further questions or are in need of assistance, do not hesitate to contact the church office. You can find more information on our website at calvarycommunity.ca. And as always, you can join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. on our Facebook and YouTube page or at calvarycommunity.ca. We'll see you next week.